Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Hey, let's, let's continue our series titled The Christmas Story, okay? The Christmas Story. Um, you know, part, my heart behind this is I think there's so many times where we hear Noah's Ark or Daniel's in, in the lion's den or, you know, even the Christmas story. And it's these Bible stories that we're familiar with. So they've been read to us as kids or we read them or we've read them often and we can just kind of swiftly move through these Bible stories. But sometimes I think when we slow down, excuse me, my, my Lord, if we, if we slow down, I d- didn't sense that coming at all. If we slow down and, and work our way through these stories slowly and pay attention to the details, I think that we can pick up on powerful principles that normally we might overlook. So my heart behind this Christmas story is to move through the Christmas story just a little bit slower than we normally would. Let, 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 let's look at some of the things, because if this is God's word, everything's calculated in the scriptures. So everything's in there on purpose, right? So, so what are some of the things that are found in this story that are, might be things we might normally just overlook? Okay, so I'm, we're going to be in Luke 2 this morning. I'm going to open up with verses 8 through 20. Before I jump into that, I'm going to pray, and then we'll read. Does that sound okay? All right, let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. Uh, We're so grateful for these moments where we get to gather together. I pray right now for an anointing. I pray for wisdom, but I also pray that you would prep the hearts of your people in this room. Maybe someone's listening to this message on a podcast. God, I pray that right now, would you till the soil of our hearts so as the seed of your word goes forth, it, it, it would take root in our heart. It grow to produce fruit in our lives. Father, we love you so much. I, I pray that we would be a body of believers that doesn't just listen to your word, but we do your word. Uh, we pray for transformation in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke 2, verses 8 through 20 says this. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the the armies of heaven, praising God. And they were all saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened that the Lord has told us about. So they hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. The shepherds show up, oh my goodness, this is the Messiah. This baby is incredible. Look at this, is, this is the savior of the world. Hey, Johnny, hey, Johnny, hey, Jacob, can you believe this? The angel visited us. It was crazy. You wouldn't believe it. We, did, we saw the kid. We saw, they're, they're astonished. There's joy. There's excitement, right? They can't believe they've seen the Messiah. But then notice Mary's response. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. I looked up what that meant. 
caught my attention this week as I was studying the scriptures. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. While everyone's going nuts celebrating, wilding out, it, it almost means that Mary celebrated stoically almost. Just looking at this baby in amazement, calm, quiet. Wow, the Messiah. What is it, what's it gonna look like? How's it gonna grow? Can't believe this baby came to me. Who knows, who knows what she's thinking? But what the scriptures do tell us, I thought that was beautiful. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. And the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Again, I find it interesting that everybody's going nuts. Everybody's celebrating, right? They go back rejoicing and praising and, you know, but Mary keeps all these things in her heart. Now, Mary was, Mary did have her moment of excitement. She did. In the, in the chapter before, when she has, she has the baby in her room, remember we talked about Elizabeth and Zechariah last week? So she goes and, and she visits Elizabeth, and this was her response to Elizabeth while she was pregnant, while baby Jesus hadn't been born yet. It says, this is Luke 1, 46 through 56. It says, Mary responded, oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he took notice of this lowly servant girl. Come on, God ever taken notice of your lowly self, amen? Come on, he took notice of this lowly servant girl, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one is holy, and he's done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His his mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham, his children forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. She has this moment where she celebrates. She's exuberant. Right, she, she can't believe it, but when Jesus is born, he stores these things in her heart, right? And in Luke 2, Mary seems to remain quiet and observant. It's like she's wrestling with wonder and, and curiosity. She's treasuring these moments in her heart like a mother would. Could, could this really, you know, could she really be the Messiah's mother? What is the Messiah doing in the care of a lonely servant girl? This baby, the miracle of its birth, the continued prophetic declarations, right? From everyone who encountered this baby, everyone said amazing things about this kid, not to mention angelic hosts, right? Like, and here she is holding it. Here she is responsible for it. But she'll only find out as she goes, what is it going to look like? What is this baby going to grow into? Right? All she can do is treasure the moments in her heart along the way. So what's wild is, is I was reading chapter 2. I just went ahead and I'm familiar with the story. But just as I was studying this week, I went on to finish chapter 2 as I was kind of preparing the word. And I thought it was so, I, I love the next story. It's not like I was unfamiliar with it. But in Luke 2, verses 39 through 52, so after this moment where, you know, the shepherds kind of go away rejoicing, um, 
we, we see Luke, the author of this gospel, he kind of fast forwards in time. Okay, so, so check this out. It says, when, when Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law, the Lord grew up healthy and strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. Okay, so we see that kind of closes out, you know, baby Jesus. They do everything they were supposed to do. They, they brought him to the temple. They got him circumcised, all that stuff. And, and then Luke fast forwards here. Look, look at verse 41. It says, every year, Jesus's parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. So this is something his parents would do every year. I've talked a lot about Passover with you guys, so I'll just briefly kind of run through what that is. It's a Jewish holiday. It's still celebrated today. And what this holiday, this annual holiday remembers and celebrates is when the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt. Y'all remember Exodus? God anoints Moses to be the leader. He, he says to Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt and I want you to set the people free. I want you to lead them out of Egypt. And Moses is like, God, not me. He's like, no, you're going. Moses goes, right? And then God sends 10 different plagues uh, on Pharaoh and on the people of Egypt, trying to break Pharaoh's spirit, let the people go. So, so one plague comes and two plague comes. And, and the 10th and final plague is the death of the firstborn child. And God gives the Jews specific instructions. If you do this, if you make this sacrifice, if you put this blood over your doorpost, then, then when the angel of death so to speak, comes, it will pass over your house. And he's doing this to acknowledge that, that your gods are not like my gods. He's not only going to take the firstborn of, of the um, children of those families, but also the animals too. The Jews will be protected though. And then Moses, you know, so, so they make the sacrifices, they put the blood on their doorposts, and then Moses leads the people. They get to the edge of the Red Sea. The Egyptian Pharaoh said, yeah, they can go, but then he changes his mind. They're, they're chasing them down at the Red Sea. Moses is standing at the Red Sea, like, how are we, where do we go from here? The Lord ends up splitting the Red Sea. The Israelites start moving through it, right? They're getting set free from, from slavery in Egypt. This is, you know, and here's where all the Jews are. And so they start moving through as, as Egypt's chasing them. And then as they get to the other side, the ocean closes up on the Egyptians, right? And, and here, the Jews find themselves on the other side of the sea, no longer slaves, no longer bound. They find themselves in the middle of new life. So, like, God has to give them, like, if you read through these books, there's the strangest instructions that these people are supposed to do. But you have to remember, they've been slaves. This is a whole new life. It's not like, it's not like they stepped into a new town and it's like, oh, I got to run to Walmart. Like, there is nothing. They have to relearn how to live. They have to relearn how, to, how, to tr how do we treat each other? What do we, what do, we do? What's right? What's, what's wrong? No one's telling me what to do anymore, right? So here they are. So when they get to the other side, God gives um, Moses the instruction. He says, okay, I want you to celebrate when, when I passed over you guys. And I want you to celebrate me freeing you from your slavery every single year. So Jews, even still today, they celebrate Passover. It's this, and that's what they're remembering. That's what they're acknowledging. Is that okay? Everybody with me? Okay, so, and, and we see on uh, Exodus 12, verses 12 through 13, it says this specifically, on, on the same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals and will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Everyone say Passover. 
I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. So again, we, we see God pass over the Israelites, right? So his parents, they're in Jerusalem celebrating the festival of the Passover, right? Doing all that entails. And, and this is where we jump back into our story in Luke. So they, they celebrate the Passover every year. It says, when Jesus was 12 years old. So no longer are we messing with baby Jesus anymore. We're into these, these early teen years with Jesus. It says, when Jesus was 12 years old, this is verse 42, they attended the festival as usual. This is what we do every year. We're celebrating Passover. And after the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking among their relatives and friends. They couldn't find Jesus. Oh, we lost the Messiah. Right? They went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. And three days later, three days, where do we put him? God's going to kill us. Right? I can't imagine. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said, why have you done this to us? I've been so scared. I couldn't find you. Where were you? And he's in church. Right, he's in church. Your father and I, we've been frantic, searching for you everywhere. Can't imagine. And then Jesus goes, but why did you need to search? He asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? I gotta be in my father's house. But they didn't understand what he meant. We know he's talking about his heavenly father, right? I had to be in dad's house. But, but here's the part that stuck out to me. So there's that whole story, but, but here's the whole reason I shared that. It says, then he returned to Nazareth with, with his parents and he was obedient to them. We know Jesus was obedient to his parents, right? But then we see again, and his mother stored all these things in her heart. That same line, Mary, these moments with Jesus, these memories with Jesus, like, you know, good and bad. Yeah, we lost him for three days. It was terrifying but she stored it in her heart. Parents in the room, come on, you ever stored moments in your heart that you had with your kids? You ever walking through seasons and moments of life and it's like, man, this is special. Like this is, this is happening and you're treasuring these moments that you're having. I actually, as, as I read through this and thought about Mary, I called my mom this week and I said, hey mama, I was like, I don't got a lot of time to talk. I'm sitting here writing the message, but I have a question for you. Just, you know, there's Jesus and Mary whole dynamic. I was like, you know, not that I'm Jesus and she's like Mary. That's not what I'm trying to communicate. I'm just saying that that mother, that mother to son dynamic, you know, I just, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's make that clear. Uh, yeah, we, uh, I said, mom, I'm, I'm just curious, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my message and I said, is there any moment that you just really treasure in your heart from, from when I was growing up and, and all the things you kind of saw me do as a kid? I just, you know, just curious to, to hear out. Didn't know if I'd use it in the message or not. And she goes, you know, Mackie, she's like, it's so funny you asking me that. <laughs> she goes, I was clean. I've been cleaning the house. I, I was sorting through boxes. She goes, and I found, remember when you wrote that rap? 
and, and you, and you, come on, even as a kid, I had bars, amen? Even as a kid, I was holy and hood, come on. So we had Cypress basketball. Y'all heard of Cypress basketball? You get to uh, iron on the stars. No, that's okay. That's all right. So whatever. It's, it's, a, it's a Christian basketball league. Up, upward, 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 not Cypress. Yeah, that's where you guys live. Up, upward basketball. So uh, one most Christ-like player back in 2005, but it's not a big deal. Um, so here I am. My mom's doing a little halftime Devo. And she wanted me to, to write this little poem slash rap. So I, I put together this like Christian rap, okay? And uh, she, she has me share it at, at the halftime show. So I, she goes, Mackie, I just remember you doing that rap and you rapped it. I was just so proud of you, you know? So... And she goes, it's so funny you asking me, because I just found it the other day. Do you guys want to hear this? Do you guys want to hear it? Okay. I figured you would. Now, there's kind of like, there's like the edited version where you can tell mom was like, all right, let me help you clean this up a little bit. And, but then there's the unedited version. Which one y'all want? Unedited? Me too. Me too. Here we go. The rawness. So it says this. I, it's a little tough to read, but it says... Y'all ready? God is the one who sent down his son to die for everyone. He died on the cross, but he is still boss. <laughs> That's right. I will fight, throw sin to the end. If I haven't, I'll try all day or I may. I will stay with you, Lord, until I get through the door of heaven, I will still be chilling and killing sin for you. It's true. I'll do it for me and you. Every time I pray, I see a light. That's right. Lord, you never make me bored tonight. Bars. Okay. <laughs> I will pray for people who say you are not real, but it's true that you are the shield to protect. What the heck? Ah, let's go. Okay. That's good, huh? It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. So along the way, she, she's treasuring these. I, I was 18 when I wrote that, by the way. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Along the way, she's treasuring these moments with Jesus, Mary, okay? She, she hasn't watching him grow, right? Watch, watching him become. She knows there's been prophecies. He's going to be the Messiah. What, what's it going to look like? Right? Jesus continues to grow, and then he goes on to heal the sick. He, he goes on to cast out demons and to walk around with real authority, right? Power. This is, this is, a, this is the visible image, like, like Pastor Josh read. This is the visible image of the invisible God roaming earth, wrapped up in human flesh. It's like, people don't know what to do with Jesus. Okay, like some people have left everything and they're in, in, their, in their love, they're in awe. And then there's other people who can't believe this man would claim to be the Messiah and they want him dead. It's like two opposite ends of the spe spectrum. It's, but no one can deny that as Jesus is roaming through this earth, he's making a dent in history. He's impacting everybody he comes into contact with, Right. But then even at certain points, we see Jesus himself, he confesses 
that he is the Messiah, the Jewish, you know, the one the Jewish people have been waiting for. The problem is, Jesus doesn't look anything like the Messiah they're thinking of or they're expecting. Jesus has grown, right? Hated by some, loved by others, but this Jewish pers- perspective, even, even still today, Jesus can't be the Messiah. He doesn't look like the Messiah. And, and I think they were thinking, this Messiah is going to come and he's going to set us free from Roman oppression. Just like Moses set free the Israelites from the Egyptians, this Messiah will come and set us free from the Roman oppression. He's going to be a political leader. He's going to be an earthly king, not someone born from a lowly servant girl, not, not something that's coming out of Nazareth, right? At some, at some point in the scriptures, it says, what good thing comes out of Nazareth, right? But Mary, she knows he's the Messiah. Again, it's been prophesied. And I wonder if she just watched from a distance, heart full of treasured memories, thinking, what is this going to look like? When is he going to turn the corner? When is he going to step into that political role? When it, how is he going to become king? Like, what is this, what, what is it going to look like? And we know Jesus is a king, but not an earthly king. His, his kingdom looks different, right? He didn't belong to a kingdom that was a part of this earth. His kingdom was heavenly. So remember, Passover meal, Passover meal. We, we move through the entirety of Luke and there's all these, Jesus shares parables and he heals and he restores and he grows and he lives this incredible life. He's leading his disciples and people are following him. And then in, in Luke 22, we're getting close to Jesus's final moments. But before we get there, in Luke 22, he sits down at the table with his disciples and, and they're there celebrating the festival of the Passover. They're celebrating Passover, okay? So, so here Jesus is at the table with his disciples and they're sitting around the table and, and just for a moment, I want us to take a seat at this table with Jesus and his disciples. And, and I, want to, uh, I want to read this. Luke 22, verse 14 through 20, it says this. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles, they sat down together at the table. And Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of heaven. So even kind of right off the bat, it's like, Jesus, what are we talking about here? It says, then he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he said, take this and share it among yourself. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. And then he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces, gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Now you have to remember They're eating these specific foods in remembrance of what God did in Egypt, how he delivered the people from Israel. So the kind of bread that they're eating is bread made without yeast because the people in Egypt had to eat bread without yeast because it would prepare more quickly. And they were, you know, there was urgency in their mission to leave. So as they celebrate Passover, they have bread that doesn't have yeast in it or that doesn't have leaven in it. So, you know, in in efforts to remember the, the physical event itself. But now Jesus is saying, when you take this, when you take this bread, he broke it into pieces and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. But I thought we were remembering Passover. Let's go on. Verse 20, after supper, he took another cup of wine. 
And he said, this cup is the new covenant. This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. So stay with me here. We see Jesus has that conversation with his disciples at the Passover meal. Then Jesus is sitting at the table with his disciples, right? And, and he starts sharing this Passover meal with his disciples, which is totally normal in, in Jewish tradition. But, in, but instead of remembering what they've always remembered while they take this, Jesus is asking them to remember something new. And then after this meal, shortly after this meal, Jesus is arrested. He, he's put on trial, right? And then the people vote. There's him and this, and this other guy named Barabbas. And part of the Passover festival, like part of the tradition, is they would allow um, the prison in town to release one prisoner. They had that option. That was part of the festival. You know, someone gets freedom. And, you know, maybe it was in efforts to, you know, they're getting released from their slavery. And maybe that's what it acknowledged or helped remember. I don't know. But there's Jesus and Barabbas. And Pilate's like, who do you want? Which, which one? And, and you can tell Pilate, like, wants them to release Jesus. And he's kind of recognizing Jesus as king of the Jews. He's like, there's something about this guy. And they're like, give us Barabbas. And they, and they take Barabbas. And, and so Jesus, here, here we go. Jesus is going to be crucified. He's going to go to the cross. He's mocked. Yeah, you're really king of the Jews, bro. Yeah. Yeah, they slap him in the face. They spit on him. Come on, he's mocked. He's flogged. He's beaten until he's unrecognizable. And at this moment, Jesus looks anything like anything but the Messiah. That's what he looks like. Anything but the Messiah, right? Doesn't look like a ruler. Doesn't look like a man of power. Doesn't look like a man of authority. Doesn't look like he could set anybody free in this moment. Jesus getting beaten, bloody broken. But, but here's what's wild. Is Mary, Jesus's mother, the one who has all the memories stored in her heart, the one who raised this baby Jesus, who watched him grow, who loved him, who lost him, who fed him, the mother who watched her baby grow, the mother who knows this is going to be the Messiah. She's been waiting for him to turn the corner. She's been, she's been waiting to see how is this, how's this going to happen. She's there. And she's watching this happen to Jesus. John 19, it says this. Here's the moment. John 19, 16 through 30. It says, so they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called the place of the skull in Hebrew, Golgotha. And there they nailed him to a cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side, with Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The place where Jesus was, uh, the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, so that many people could read it. Then the leading priest objected and said to Pilate, Change it from King of the Jews to he said, I'm king of the Jews. And Pilate said, no, what I have written, I have written, leave it, king of the Jews. And when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. 
They also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's, let's throw dice. Let's cast lots for it. This fulfilled the scriptures that said, they divided my garments among themselves and threw, cast lots. They threw dice for my clothing. So that it was, so that is what they did. But, but here's where we see, standing near the cross, watching all of this happen. The mom who divinely conceived this baby, who gave birth to this baby, who raised this baby, right? Verse 25, standing near the cross where Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, which we know is John, right? He said to her, just imagine, Jesus is literally, he's on the cross in this moment, looking at his own mother. He says, dear woman, here's your son. And he said to his disciple, here's your mother. He's saying to John and to Mary, hey, John, you're going to take care of her, right? You're going to watch her, right? And mom, you're going to take care of John, right? You too, come on. You two got to stick together. And it says, and from then on, his disciple took her into his home. John took her into his home. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill the scripture, he said, I'm thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, held it up to his lips. And when Jesus has tasted it, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Jesus the one who was going to save the people, the one, the one who was going to make a way, the Messiah, the one, the one from the line of David, the one everyone was waiting for, the one who was going to liberate these people, set them free. Here he is. Looks like he's just died on the cross. Everyone's like, I thought, I thought this was going to be the Messiah. Maybe even Mary wrestling with these thoughts. Mary who once held the baby in her arm who treasured every moment she had with Jesus in her heart, right? She, she treasured these moments. So many convinced this, this is the end of the story. But church, can we give God praise? Because we know that's not the end of the story. Amen? Come on, the Lion of Judah would rise again. The King of Kings would conquer sin in the grave. Jesus would rise again. He'd pour out his spirit, and he'd take residence in our heart. And it's like, Mary, you don't got to just treasure memories. He's going to come inhabit your heart, woman. He's going to come live in your heart, woman. He's going to come give you new life, woman. Mary, did you know your baby boy was going to grow? Mary, did you know he's the Alpha and Omega? Mary, did you know you wouldn't just have to have the memories, but he'd inhabit your heart? He'd live there. He'd live there. He's more than a memory, church. He's the Messiah alive inside us. He's the Messiah alive inside us who set us free from the bondage of sin and gave us new life. He said, you can't do it. You, you can't get out of Egypt yourself, right? You can't get out of your slavery to sin. You can't get out of your bondage yourself. I'll set you free. I'll, I'll, I'll seal you with my Holy Spirit. I'll seal your salvation. I'll give you new life. I'll make you new. 
In the same way Moses led people out of slavery, Jesus, the Messiah, would lead us out of slavery of sin. They thought he'd be, they, they knew that the Messiah would deliver, but they thought they, he'd deliver in an earthly sense. But he's a God of abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. He said, nah, that, that, that's a, I'm, I'm going to give you a new life for eternity, not just while you're here on earth. Right? So Jesus goes, your father has prepared a place for you in heaven. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.